I'm Tavi Black. And I'm Christine Young. And this is The Personal Element. Where we listen to an essay we love and then discuss what makes it so good. In today's episode, we're going to be discussing Cindy DiTiberio's essay, If You're Not Sure If Your Marriage Will Survive the Pandemic, You're Not Alone, which was first published in Scary Mommy. This past April, in the midst of the first shelter-in-place orders, we finally got around to turning my home office into a true office. For the past three years, my desk had been tucked into the corner of what was once the playroom slash exercise room. Just behind my back at all times was the elliptical machine my husband occasionally used on weekends. Luckily, this was a time before Zooms and it didn't matter what appeared in my background. But having just crossed the threshold of having both of my children in full-time school, or so I thought, I was ready to make this room all mine. We dismantled the elliptical machine, a decision my husband would question later in the face of gym closures. I picked out a calming shade of jade green for the walls, a color supposed to inspire creativity. We removed the old stained carpet and installed carpet squares we had tucked away from a previous room renovation years ago. I looked around in pride, anticipating how focused I would be in this new space. Unfortunately, by the time it was finished, I wasn't working anymore. Like more than two million other mothers across the country, I had given up, shrugged my shoulders in defeat, and recognized that maybe I needed to take one for the team. It hardly seemed tenable to continue the way we had been going for the last two months. I'm a writer and collaborator, helping authors write their books. I have worked from home for the last nine years, so working from home wasn't a big change for me during the pandemic. But trying to work from home while managing two elementary-aged children doing remote school was... It turns out writing isn't something you can do successfully in 20-minute intervals, praying that you won't be interrupted by yet another Zoom issue. After turning in a manuscript on May 1st, I decided to stop working until my children were no longer underfoot. Summer was around the corner with all summer camps canceled. What else were we going to do? We had the financial freedom and flexibility to make that choice, I thought it would help my marriage to relinquish the awkward and exhausting exchange of who got to go into the office and work and who had to stay out in the kitchen to be on hand in case the children needed help with school. And they always needed help. But I didn't realize that the sacrifice I thought I was making for my family wouldn't be the solution. In fact, it might have made things even worse. Of course, in May, when I relinquished my right to work, I thought we'd be back to school in August. But as August came and went with no back-to-school in sight, I realized I had inadvertently signed up for this reality for the foreseeable future. And it wasn't working. At first, I thought I was struggling because my dear husband wasn't doing enough, wasn't taking on enough, didn't realize that by the end of the day I didn't want to see anyone, wanted to lock myself in my bedroom with a book and some Netflix, please don't speak to me until I'm on duty again tomorrow and this Groundhog Day fun starts all over again. Of course, I love my children, but they are exhausting, and they never go away in this pandemic. I kept thinking that I just needed to hold on until they got back to school, and in November, it finally happened. Both kids off to in-person school two or three days a week. It felt like a gift from the gods. I knew so many other families were not afforded this luxury. I thought it would be enough to regain my sanity those two or three days. But those days only added up to 15 hours a week, on a good week. Not enough to really take on a new project. They were still home the other days, 
and I would yet again clock in for a job I never signed up for, making sure they got on their Zooms, making sure they stayed on their Zooms, troubleshooting their technology problems, ensuring they submitted their assignments. During these days, I can't go anywhere. I am always on call. I feel trapped, claustrophobic in my own life. Meanwhile, I watched my husband go to work. Yes, sometimes that meant just walking into my home office, my home office, and shutting the door. But I would stare after him, resentment slowly filling the empty, unfulfilled spaces in my soul. I married a good one. My husband wants to give me what I want. He never expected or asked me to take on the children as much as I have. He is a very involved father and an attentive husband. So if I'm struggling with my husband, I can't imagine how others are faring who didn't hit the husband jackpot. Because it isn't just the big issues that are making things hard, the sacrifice of work or navigating the roles of parenting with no breaks. Being always underfoot wears on a marriage. Our partners often frustrate us in little ways every day. They don't hang up their towel or they leave their unrinsed cereal dish in the sink. But in normal times, these small annoyances remain small in proper perspective because we see the failure but then get swept up in our day. Maybe we had to a yoga class or give a big presentation at work and all the little annoyances of earlier get washed away. We come together at the end of the day and all is forgiven, mainly because it is forgotten. This is how marriage works. But with quarantine, there is nothing to distract us, to erase the irritation. In fact, that little failure stares at us all day long as we're stuck in our houses. The dishes piled up in the sink or the laundry that didn't get put away. It is always in our field of vision, stoking our anger with every walk by. By the end of the day, we haven't forgotten it, let alone forgiven it. Instead, that minor moment has become a mountain of grievance. We stew about it all day long. There is nowhere to go but deeper into our own despair and frustration. And so we drift apart on a sea of undone laundry. Of course, there are some who are grateful for the changes brought on by the pandemic. My sister's husband used to travel three or four days out of the week while she tried to manage working part-time with two toddler twin boys. I know she loves that he is home for dinner every night, is available to take turns with bedtime. There are certainly people who appreciate this reset of priorities and the chance to be around their children in ways they have never been able to before. No activities for kids to rush off to, no after-dinner drinks crowding in the calendar. But I think the majority of people are like me, exhausted from the reality of parenting and partnering during a pandemic. The fact is, we can't just do what we've always done. Our previous patterns are obsolete. We have to learn new ways of being parents and partners if we're going to survive this suspended state of waiting for normal to resume. Thankfully, I feel the world giving us permission to be selfish during this time. Emails from our county and elementary school remind us that this is hard. We have to learn to take care of ourselves. But that is easier said than done. Ask for what you need, my husband says. But before I can do that, I have to know what I need. I have to recognize when I need help. When those feelings of overwhelm and frustration threaten to erupt, I have to learn to stop and listen to what is going on instead of pushing through them, ignoring them. I have to believe that my feelings are valid and that it is okay to not be able to do it all. Oh, I need 15 minutes to myself in the bedroom. I need to go take a walk. I need to call my husband and say, hey, can you come home? It's been a long day, even if it is only one in the afternoon.
I was not conditioned to do this. Somehow I learned that to be a good girl, you had to stuff down your needs, sacrifice what you want, abandon yourself, give to others. This was the formula. But quite frankly, I don't want to be that person anymore. My marriage can't take it, nor can I. So if you are now struggling in a marriage that until this unprecedented time worked pretty well, know that you are not alone, that this does not mean the end of your marriage, but that we all need a bit more grace than usual. Try to make space for yourself and your spouse because this setup is bound to make us feel like we are failing. Typically, throughout the course of a relationship, the neediness is distributed. We take turns. One spouse loses a parent and the other steps in to hold things together while their loved one grieves. One partner faces a job loss and the other keeps the money coming in and the spirits up. But what happens when both fall apart at the same time? What happens when there is no respite from the grief, when each person has reached the end of their tether, when the entire world is tilting and no one has anything to hold on to? It won't always be this way. There will be an end to this pandemic. People will go back to workplaces, although maybe not the way they did before. We will be able to carve out time for our own pursuits and passions. We will once again feel in control of our days, have our children back in school, and be able to breathe again. We'll even be able to hire babysitters, go on actual dates, to take trips with our lovers and reignite all those feelings that may have gone dormant as we survive this state. But until then, what exactly will we do? We will take deep breaths. We will give hugs even when we don't want them. We will learn to ask for what we need. My husband and I each now have one night off per week when after dinner we get to go and do whatever we want and the other parent puts the kids to bed. Honestly, since there is nowhere to really go, it often means just holding up in our bedroom. But to know that you get some time off during a season when we all feel like we are always on has been life-changing. To know that there is no one to look after except yourself, the greatest luxury. I look forward to it all week, and I always feel much more gracious towards my husband afterward. Oh, and I finally told him that I want to go back to work. I know it won't be easy as we take turns manning the kids' school on the days we are home, but I know deep down that it is what I want. It is what I need. There is no need to sacrifice my sanity any longer. It turns out no award ceremony waits for those who give of themselves the most. So I sit here in my office writing. And let me tell you, in a world that feels so wrong, it is one of the only things that feels right. First of all, I really love the name Scary Mommy. So of course, I had to go check out that blog after we got the submission in, which I will say it's an excellent blog. So check it out if you get a chance. Uh, But I want to first talk about uh, how in this essay, Cindy opens it up when she's redecorating her office. She's all excited about you know, getting to have her home office. She's going to do some work in it. She paints the walls. I love the color she chose green. And uh, they're going to, they've got a, an elliptical in the background and they're going to take it down. Yeah. I, I love the scene because it so brought me back to, you know, February, 2020 when life was normal and like you would do things like get rid of your elliptical thinking like, Oh, I don't need to work out at home. <laughs> um, <and> I then- know. <laughs> you know, a few short months later, we're all stuck in our houses 24 seven. So, so it was kind of fun to see her making these choices pre pandemic and then having to live with them post pandemic. 
right. We all thought we were just going to be in for a couple of weeks and what a great project. Let's all redecorate. I did it. And I love the fact that she has the elliptical at all because of course we all have them or had them. (laughs) And I did the same thing. I got rid of ours a while ago. (laughs) Could have used it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And what she does so well in the essay is, you know, she, like you said, starts with the office and then goes the office kind of reappears a few times when she's talking about like her husband actually getting to use the office instead of her and her being kind of upset about that. And then of course the end of the essay, she's in the office again. So, so she uses that office like as a kind of touch point throughout. Definitely. That's a, that's a nice piece that really forms the essay. I really, I felt a little bit as I was reading it, I thought a a little bit, jealous because when she was making this office, I don't have an office in my house. I still don't have an office. So I could really feel what she was feeling of like, wow, I have this space that's my own. I'm so excited. And oh, oh, I guess I'm giving that to my husband now. Mm. One thing that I thought a lot about after reading this essay was like, why she had to give up the office and her work. Cindy doesn't go into it. So, you know, there's probably some financial reasons why her husband continues working and she decides to to stay home full time with the kids. But it did kind of raise a question for me about the pandemic in general. It seems like anecdotally, it seems like it's had much more of an impact on women's ability to work outside of the home than men's. And, you know, it could just kind of raise that issue for me. It definitely raises that issue. And I lost my job in the pandemic. And, you know, she says, I had the financial freedom and flexibility to make that choice, which is amazing for those of us who can do that. I mean, I have people that were not able to stop working that had to go to their jobs. Um, My husband's a plumber and uh, he had to go to his job, but for women, yeah, in particular. And I I loved her journey of talking about her children and being with them 24 seven. And I could so relate to her saying, I love my children, but they are exhausting. Yeah. To just to have to admit that my, my children exhaust me. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, no, you know, as listeners might know, I have a little uh, baby 10 months old now and like, yeah, I love being with him, but on the days that I'm with him full-time, it is exhausting. Like, you know, by the end of the day, I feel like, A, I've gotten nothing done, <laughs> and um, and B, I'm some, somehow still, like, just flat-out exhausted. Um, and I'm sure, you know, Tavi, you could speak to it as a mom of an older child, but I'm sure that doesn't go away. <laughs> it does not go away. You know what I got exhausted by was trying to be a teacher to my fourth, you know, fifth grader, I guess, um, at the time. And I, she reminded me constantly, mom, you're not a good teacher. Oh, <laughs> crushing. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, you know what? I'm I think I'm not a good teacher to my own daughter. Let's, let's leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot that Cindy does here and where she, she gives a lot of really good advice. I feel like in this piece, where she says, it's okay to not be able to do it all. You know, Mm. great. Yeah, it's okay that I can't be a good homeschool teacher, I think. Yeah. (laughs) So she also gives the advice that you're not alone. This doesn't mean the end of your marriage because you're having struggles. Mm, Yeah, and 
Yeah, and speaking of the title, which again was, if you're not sure if your marriage will survive the pandemic, you're not alone. What I thought was really interesting was the title focuses on the marriage aspect of of Cindy's life, but the essay really focuses more on the whole family relationship. She talks a lot about her children and her feelings because she's the one who's there, right? She's the one who is, as she said, during quarantine, your family there is always in your field of vision, which is a really different state for us to be in. So she, she talks about the kids, the kids. And then finally, sort of towards the end, she comes back to the marriage. Yeah. And and, th- and thinking about it, it also kind of made me think about how your whole family dynamic is so important to your marital di- dynamic. And, you know, if kind of if one isn't working, then the other probably isn't working either. Maybe that's why the title focuses on marriage, but the essay more focuses on family. Yeah, they're so intertwined, especially when you are all together. Um, I, I love the most beautiful line for me in the essay was, and so we drift apart on a sea of undone laundry. <laughs> <laughs> I love that line. It's so true. There's always piles of laundry and who's going to do it. And you're always there together. And you feel like you're the person that has to do everything because you're the mom coming back to who's going to be there 24 seven for the kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I imagine and- too, if you're, if you're not working, and the your husband is working, like you do probably feel a little bit more um, like, oh, the laundry is my responsibility, even though you are working because you're taking care of two kids who are, you know, needing yeah. the homeschooling. And trying to, like Cindy, you know, work in some freelance work and try to figure out. And because you don't have a set schedule as somebody who freelances, it seems kind of like you're always free right? You have to work those hours in between all of the homeschooling. It's really insane for so much of us. Mm -hmm. Um, But as she says, you have to find new ways of being parents and partners. So there she's tying them in together. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the things that I could really relate to is her husband saying, ask for what you need. And I have to know what I need. And I think that that happens a lot of the time and maybe I'm being, I'm generalizing, but with women, because so many of us are taking care of the family and my, I feel like my husband would say the same thing for me. Just, just ask, I'll do it. It's not a problem. You know, she's like, I got one of the good ones. I feel like I've got one of the good ones too. And, and he would totally do what I need him to, to do. But as a woman, I sometimes feel like, why do I have to ask you <laughs> that age old debate? I feel like this comes up a lot in my mom's group of who are moms of real little ones. And yeah, sometimes like the partner not knowing what is needed is really frustrating because it feels like then you're putting it on me to know all this stuff and tell you all the stuff as opposed to you just realizing like, oh, he needs a diaper change. His diapers are over there. And this is what, you know, this is what happens. Yeah. And then I think there's the deeper level of asking, you know, for like the emotional things that you might need. Like she says, after a day of being with the kids, I just need to be quiet by myself for a while, which might be something that you don't even know that you need. Like, so then you have to figure that out first. Yeah, I could so relate to, I just want to go lock myself in the bedroom with some Netflix and a book. I'm going to do one or the other. (laughs) I love the idea of the one night off a week I should have asked for that. Maybe it's not 
too late. Yeah. <laughs> no, that does seem like a good one. And yeah, my husband and I kind of try to do that on the weekends, like give each other a few, like a block of time. Like yesterday I went hiking with a friend and I took the baby with me. So he had a block of a few hours by himself um, to do whatever he wanted. And then he'll do the same for me like the next day, which is kind of a nice way to deal with the fact that during the pandemic, we don't have a ton of childcare options on the weekends. So it's not like we can go out on a date or whatever, but yeah, but at least we can still give each other time. Yeah. It's definitely important to do that. There's one other thing that I, I really wonder about. Um, and this is just a personal question for Cindy. I, I wonder about her ghostwriting. She just mentions it briefly that that's what she collaborates with authors. And I wondered, how did she get into that? And if she's doing that, because I know she's a lot more of her own writing now, I wonder, did it make her feel, because she's obviously a skilled writer, if she can uh, ghostwrite somebody else's, did it make her feel, you know, sort of frustrated that she wasn't doing her own writing? So maybe she'll write in and tell us the answer to that. Yeah, that would be great. And Tavi, as you know, like I do a little, I do some ghostwriting in my, my day job and and I generally like it. Like, I feel like it's like a nice creative outlet um, that I get paid for. And then um, it kind of supports the these kind of creative outlets that, that I find like most fulfilling. Well, now I know the answer to my question. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, I hope that everybody who's listening got through the pandemic, okay, that their marriage made it through the pandemic. And it looks like we may be heading into a, another winter of outdoor events. And yeah, I'd love to hear from from listeners if you have stories of your own in terms of dealing with the pandemic and your families and relationships, things like that. Um, I think that'd be really fun. So feel free to contact us on um, Facebook or Twitter or Instagram and, and share your stories. You can find all our social media links at our website, which is personalelementpodcast.com. And thank you, Cindy, for your essay that gives us lots of great tips for surviving the pandemic. See you all next time. See you next time. <laughs>